What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yassin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right, welcome back to episode 21 of Move the District, where I have a very special guest today, a close personal friend of mine. She is a fellow doctor of physical therapy, as well as the co-owner and co-founder of Mind the Mat Pilates and Yoga Studio, located over in Delray, Virginia. That's in Alexandria, or Arlington, on the border. And uh, she's also the creator of the H-A-W-T, Hot Pilates Certification Program. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was hot, like hot, like, hey, Angie, we're doing hot Pilates over here. Please welcome Dr. Megan Brown. Megan, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Mike. Thank you so much. This is an absolute dream come true. So I appreciate (laughs) you asking me. Um, And you are absolutely right. It is a play on words. It is like, let's go do hot Pilates. Oh, okay. Good. Um, yes. So you're right. It's also like all the hot moves, all the hot research. Um, oh. Yes. And getting all the way into it. All multi, the way Multi-layered Pilates certification program. There you go. Yeah, because I definitely read it. I just, for years, I read it as hot Pilates. Like, hey, Angie, come on. Let's go see this girl, Megan Brown. She's doing hot Pilates. That's what and I thought it was. And we can get a hoagie. And then we can get a hoagie, okay? Oh, my God. That would be... That man, yeah, you I think actually that, did that, didn't what, you? I did, yeah. I uh, I came to class, I came to your class, and then I went across the street to market to market and got a fantastic Italian hoagie. It was a uh, it was a great experience. I highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah, and you know what was so great about you, Mike, is that you, um, and this is why I've always liked you, is you do not silo your um, let's say like your philosophy on exercise and you're very open to other philosophies on exercise. So when you came to class, well, first of all, when you were like, I'm going to come to class, I was like, I can't believe it. And then when you said, yes, I will be in the front row after I made you, (laughs) you didn't even flinch. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go in the front row. And I was like, yeah, I had to, I had to, I mean, you, 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 you know, let me come into class and then, you know, you, you called me up front. I mean, who would I be to say to say no? I mean, we're gonna give uh, Megan, my girlfriend, a little grief for not coming up front with me. But um, you know, it was uh, it was an experience that, like, I feel like that's one of those things, like in Soul Cycle, when like you like ride like the podium, right? Like, I feel like like doing Pilates in the front row with Megan Brown. I feel like that's one of those like life experiences. Wow, that that's a great comparison because I will tell you, I have ridden podium before. And in a Beyonce leotard, no less. Of course, I wouldn't expect um, anything less. Of course, and let me just tell you, it is uh, it is not easy when everyone's watching you. I mean, I kudos to those instructors because they have to hit every single beat, all oh, the God. all the time, and talk. I don't. I seriously don't know how they do. It. So, um, okay, that's exactly that. what you did in your class: was stay on beat the entire class and talk and scream and exercise. Okay. So it was very similar. Okay. But, okay. Because I have, having been to both classes, I definitely was like, oh, wait, I feel like I don't have rhythm. And, and especially SoulCycle. SoulCycle, I really struggle with the, the whole staying on beat. My, my friends from high school used to make fun of me because I played the trombone in high school. Yes, the trombone and, uh, and the baritone horn. And I, had, I was cr- just made fun of all throughout high school for being in band and having no sense of rhythm. And... Uh, I was like flashbacks to my high school days where I was like the band kid who got made fun of in band. And so did you miss the beats quite often? Uh, in, in like when I was in band in high school? Yes, very often. Very often. Very, it was very like a claps on two and four instead of one and three kind of thing. And, and yeah, I was, I was not a, a very rhythmic uh, guy. I, I don't know if I still am these days. But, but yeah, the, uh, going, going to like my first soul cycle class I didn't realize how much choreography there was. It's a lot. And they're really kind to say, you can leave out the dance moves if you want, but then there's, their model is great in the whole pack mentality versus 
competition. Um, right, there are other cycle brands that they put all your stats up on the wall, very Orange Theory, and, mm -hmm. and competition usually sparks um, people to work harder, I guess, right. you know, depending on where you are um, with your, your fitness regimen. But I like the pack mentality. I like the, all of us being in this together, and can we choreograph together, and can we, can we finish this together? Yeah. Because everyone has a different fitness level, and it's almost like – it's almost exclusive to have it be a competitive event. So that's why I've always loved uh, SoulCycle in the sense that it's more of, hey, we're in this together versus who's the best on the wall, right? right. What drives you? I think, and I think that's the great thing, like I said, about like all the different types of like fitness out there is mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to get your fitness, whether it is in a competitive environment like a CrossFit gym or whether it is, you know, like in a more pack approach, like, like a soul cycle class, there's something out there for, I think for a lot of people. And like, it's just one of those things, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. Totally. I mean, I've heard people that are like, the reason I go to orange theory is because I love to see my stats up on the board. Right. Or the reason I do Peloton is I know that I'm, you know, I'm trying to beat that 50 or 58 year old guy in Vermont. Right. So it's <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Whatever, what, Hey, we're PTs. I'm glad people are exercising. Right? Amen. At the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, my opinion, I think this is, I think I, I think this was something from uh, Teddy Wilson. He said this where, who's another PT in the DC area here for those listening. I know, I know yeah. Shout out to Teddy. Um, he said at the end of the day, you know, all exercise is good exercise. So, um, you know, I mean, within reason, of course, but all, all exercise is good exercise. So, you know, instead of taking a scarcity mindset, I'd rather take a growth mindset approach to it and like, embrace all types of you know workouts and and i think that has a you know as a pt when someone comes in and they say oh well i want to get back to pilates or oh i want to get back to crossfit or whatever it's like all right well let's find a way to get you back to that because if i say oh pilates is stupid or crossfit is stupid or running is stupid like they're probably gonna stop coming to see me and they're probably just gonna go back to doing whatever it is and have pain or they'll just stop doing it and just have pain and no one wins. So it's like, let's find a way to make it work for you so that you can ultimately, you know, be happy. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And we're all happy. And we're all happy. That's the whole motto, I think, of our profession is, right, like, we, we want to get you back to your function, whatever your function is. And so even, um, well, I've got a ton of runners, just a ton, who... Look, kudos to them because most runners want to do what? They want to run. They want to run. Right. Or, or road cyclists. They, they, want it, they want to be on their bikes. And so it's our job to enhance their uh, biomechanics, their efficiency, and maybe some of their style and their running, change their, their cadence, their, um, some of their mechanics. And so however we do that, right, like you, you have your method of doing that, I have my method of doing that, and that's something that I think as PTs, if we constantly respect that about each other, it's only going to uplift whom? Our patient. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, and, and it even goes even deeper with like PTs, like I know like I'm not going to be the right fit for everybody. And, you know, we have Zoe here, so maybe she's going to be the right fit for them and maybe not for me. Or, or maybe there's another place down the street that might be the right fit for that person. So it's like all about finding, you know, your spot, I guess. Totally. totally. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about you and you. where did you get started here? Where did you get started and why did you want to become a physical therapist? Let's start with that. Oh, that is so funny. Gosh, I haven't had that question in so long, probably because it's coming up on da, 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 uh, 20 years since I've been a PT. Nah. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny. I did want to be a doctor. I, there was something about being a kid and feeling uncomfortable around medical professionals that made me want to have a chance to uh, create a space for people not to feel uncomfortable. Like, how can I make this a safer place for people? Not like I was unsafe, but like, how can I make children feel comfortable? So at first I wanted to be a pediatrician. And then as I realized what was involved in medical school, um, <laughs> organic chemistry, I was like, hmm, what can I do where I don't need to take organic chemistry? No, but really it was more of a, uh, 
my, actually my high school boyfriend um, dislocated his shoulder at a basketball game and he went to PT. And so it was really, that was my first experience with physical therapy. And I was like, you mean he doesn't need surgery. He's not taking medicine. You're going to heal him with your hands and with exercise. I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And so um, then it, so it, it did translate more to, I wanted to be a pediatric physical therapist. So when I got into PT, what I realized that pediatrics, um, peds is more neuro, right? It's, it's all neuro. And so once I graduated, I was like, neuro is for me. And I actually started at National Rehab Hospital uh, right in DC where you are. Uh, and uh, neuro was my passion. Wow, that's awesome. And, and then from there, when did you start getting involved with Pilates? Yeah, so that's interesting. It, it kind of segues from neuro because I, the first time I went to a Pilates class, first of all, I was like, what's Pilates? And, and it, <laughs> a friend of mine was doing it. There were no Pilates studios. So she was like driving 45 minutes to go take a Pilates class. And I was like, well, how many Pilates do you take? Do you take one Pilates? <laughs> one Pilates, two Pilates? <laughs> They're like, Pilates is someone's name, first of all. It's not a, a plural uh, exercise regimen. Little Joey Pilates. Little, little Joe. Little uh, Joe. And uh, another physical therapist friend of mine, actually, Dr. Angela Rice, she had taken this certification. And so she said, you know, you'd really like this method. So I tell everyone this story. So sorry if anyone listening has heard it already. <laughs> I, I was like reading the description of a class, and it said – working on spinal alignment, uh, postural control, um, core stability. Actually, what they said was lumbar stability, which those are big keywords for us in physical therapy. And I thought, well, I am a physical therapist. I already understand all of these things. So I'm just going to jump up to level two. Uh So I walk into a level two Famous last words. Oh, and I had my core served to me on a platter. I actually... Even from graduating from physical therapy school just a few years before this and working in the clinic, I had no idea what my core was. I I truly didn't know how to um, articulate my spine segment by segment. I didn't know how to tap into correct core musculature. And what I realized is I was teaching lumbar stability all wrong by Pilates standards. And so that, talk about competition, that was me thinking, oh, I don't know this. I I want to learn more. And so I signed up for the certification program. And that was um, just a few years after um, physical therapy school. And then did you, did you think that the Pilates certification would help you doing what you were doing as like a pediatric therapist? Or did you think like, maybe this is where my life is going to go? Right. It's funny because um, neuro, which Actually, I ended up not doing pediatrics. I realized that there was so much neuro in peds that I just went straight to stroke rehab, which is so intense. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah. And stroke rehab is all about the trunk, yeah, at yeah. least in um, you know old school bow bath terms. I'm sure it is now, but um, I'm, I was more of that old school camp of uh, bow bath treatment. So um, that's really what inspired me was the trunk in Pilates was very similar to how we were looking at the trunk in neuro. And so I was one of those kids in class that was like, I am never doing ortho. Never. I will be either peds inpatient or uh, acute rehab. I will never do outpatient orthopedics ever. <laughs> well, after I went through Pilates training, all I wanted to do was ortho. It's- all I wanted to do. And so I had already been several years out. I was so rusty on my ortho skills, but I happened to find a clinic where the manager was looking for a Pilates physical therapist. And he was like, listen, you bring Pilates here and I will teach you everything I know. And he was just such an amazing mentor and such an amazing boss that I, I did ortho for the rest of my one-on-one um, patient one-on-one uh, clinic. That's so. wild. Um, yeah, cause I mean, I think, I mean, there's definitely like a, a correlation, especially like now you talk about like the idea of like trunk control, like for like a, a someone who's suffered a stroke versus like 
you know, incorporate into more of a general population, like with like Pilates, like there's definitely like a lot of tie-ins that like make a lot of sense. Um, and then once you, once you got back into like the ortho clinic, did you like, did all the other like stuff come back to you? Like all like the other hands-on stuff and all like the other exercises did like, like, or did, were you just like, I'm just going to do Pilates? So it's funny. That's a great question. I will tell you all of the manual skills were gone. And, um, at the time, and I think still Marymount university was doing the Maitland approach for manual therapy. And my boss was more of a Stanley Paris type of guy out of St. Augustine. So he taught me all, not all, he taught me a ton of Stanley Paris techniques. And uh, for exercise, I did all Pilates, even your total knees, your ACL rehabs, uh, especially if someone came in and they had a stroke, they were on my schedule, I would put them on the reformer. Uh, so that was such a great combination of using manual therapy in an outpatient setting, followed by uh, a therapeutic approach with exercise using Pilates. And, and that's, those two things combined um, were really my niche for a long time. And so from there, I was actually able to open a clinic with two other PTs. And it was very neuro-focused, uh, but we definitely saw ortho as well. And we had all the Pilates equipment. We had like a chair. We had the... Cadillac, did we? Cadillac? No, we had a, a wall unit. If any of this is, is resonating with you, uh, we definitely had uh, like a clinical style reformer, so we could get uh, patients of all different abilities on that uh, clinical reformer because it it was height adjustable. Right. Um, so it having that experience of inpatient, outpatient, and Pilates, and I snuck in a little home care in there in between made me feel confident enough to open my own practice and also with other people. So you're pretty brave being um, at first on your own and now having um, a great staff member. So that's kind of the transition from um, inpatient neuro all the way to starting your own business. For I me. didn't realize that you had uh, had opened a like standalone like PT clinic at one point. Yeah. And, and so you did that, you did that for how many years? You know, it wasn't super long. I would say we opened it in 2005 and um, I had a baby, which I, you know, I did, I did end up going back after that, but then I had this opportunity to open my mat mm -hmm. here in Delray and um, having a, a kid, a baby and a clinic and then a new business was just a little bit too much for me. Yeah. And so I, just kind of forfeited. Actually, the, the clinic is still there. It's it's Allison Lickey, and she it's neuro neuro PT in Falls Church, and she's oh, got right. a great group, a great group of, of very very talented neurological focused physical therapists. And then let's talk about the beginnings of Mind the Mat. Oh gosh, Mind the Mat. It's been um, you know a labor of love, um, and I. Do love her. A wild uh, journey. So mind the, mat, is, mind the Mat was not on purpose. And you know how people say these things like, you know, it just fell in my lap. This this actually did fall in my lap. Um, but early on, I realized that in order to make money, and it's okay as PTs to make money. I've been saying this for a long time. Such a, such a hard thing, not just in the PT world, but I think in like the fitness world. To like accept that. Yeah. And the fitness world, at least pre-COVID, was one of the fastest growing businesses in this country. And yeah. you look at all of these entities that have really made fitness a huge multi-million dollar success. We've already talked about Soul Cycle, Orange Theory, all of these stories. So yes, and it's okay for PTs. <laughs> to do that as well. It's okay for us to put on our entrepreneurial hat. So early on at the outpatient clinic, it was Physiotherapy Associates. My boss, already talked about him, uh, Tyrone Heitman, allowed me to rent space at the clinic after hours, and I started to run Pilates classes in the clinic. I would pay him rent, but I would accept the money myself. And no one needed any equipment, so there was no overhead, and it was just me. Just cash. Just catch. And so after one hour of, this is going to blow everyone's mind, 
after teaching one class for one hour, I would make more money in that one hour than I did all day and a half of being a physical therapist. Oh my God. It's so wild. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought to myself, something's not right here. And then of course I had my baby. So I was like, I only make money if I am seeing a patient one-on-one. So the philosophy there, and you've already done this, is when I'm not seeing patients or when I'm not teaching a class, how do I make money? You hire employees to teach while you can't be there to teach your class or see your patients. And so that is also, I don't know why I never even thought to, that, that as a physical therapist, I could be a business owner who hired employees. It just wasn't something that was preached to us during PT school. Not, at, not in the least bit. And, yeah. it's, like, and it's, it's the, uh, as our friend Danny Matei says, uh, the hit by the bus test. Oh, do, do tell. What is that? Hit by the bus test is, you know, is it a business or is it a job? And, you know, if you were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, would your business still exist? Oh yeah, absolutely. Which and and it, it, I think, I think so. I, think about, so. I got hit by a pandemic. <laughs> What's your business? <laughs> well, here we are seven months in and uh, we're still standing. So we're still standing. Yeah. The <laughs> pandemic is probably worse than the bus, but yeah, that's, um, that's the idea. But sorry, sorry. Go back to, back to, to our original idea here about, so you realize that you could make more money in one hour than in a day and a half. Yes. And also put back on my clinical, physical therapist, altruistic hat and say, but I'm also reaching more people. If you think about how much time you spend with patient education with one client, and if you took whatever you're educating them on and looked at every single patient that you see all day, how much of that education is the same? The same story over and over and over. I tell the same story about my weekend. I tell the same story about getting up during the day to make sure they're, you know, you know, not sitting too long. And it's the same thing over and over again. Over and over. So imagine packaging that into a delivery method of how can I treat more patients at one time, deliver the same type of patient education so that everyone benefits. And then if people have individual needs, then you speak with them after class. And that's where I I refer out all the time. I have this huge referral network where I have my women's health PT that I send you. I have my ortho, my my big time ortho people. I've sent you people before. Um, And so it's, it's almost a model where it screens people for PT. I even have a huge women's program. So prenatal and postpartum, postpartum it's, very soon after they've had their babies, they bring their babies here. I've screened for plagiocephaly. I've screened for torticollis. And normally they, they wouldn't have that opportunity because they're at home, not getting out, not seeing a clinician as much. And so it, it truly is almost like for some people, their first entry into our system. Yeah, that's, and, that's, that's exactly like what I've, I, I've described it before. It's like you are the first line of healthcare in our country. Like people come into fitness class and they're like, Megan, my back hurts. So they go to like, you know, Arnold's theory, my shoulder hurt. And, and the instructors uh, that are there, they are the first people that are in line to get people into the system. And they have the chance to put them in the right way or put them in the wrong way. And, and it's important that like those instructors know where to go, know to like what to look for and know realize, Oh, maybe this is something that, you know, they should go to a physical therapist for. And I think, cause like you guys, cause like you guys are the first line of healthcare. It is interesting because even as the patient using the captain Google machine, like, Hey, I back pain, what's good for back pain. And maybe the first article that pops up, I can tell you is not physical therapy. And that's something that we need to change. It's usually do yoga, do Pilates, or do these exercises. And so people will get people who come in and they say, I have sciatica and I just thought maybe yoga would help my sciatica. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) It depends on what kind of yoga you're doing and um, and where you start and what what your teacher is watching when you're 
performing these poses. But it's not always like that. Not, right. not every place has that common philosophy. And so sometimes you'll get someone in, let's use Pilates now. People will say, well, I read this article that Pilates is great for my back, which yes, it is. But it also depends on who's your instructor. Are you doing a video? Did the is the video able to see whether your movement mechanics are correct or not? Because it's a fine line between hurting yourself and tapping into your core correctly. Mm -hmm. And so they'll go back to their doctor and say, well, I did Pilates and I hurt my back more. So then the doctor is thinking, well, this whole Pilates thing is crap. The thing is, it's a scam. It's a scam. Right. But it's not the same across no. the board. And um, especially with what's going on right now with virtual, there's so much out there. There's a lot of crap. Yeah, anyone could even just go on um, Instagram these days and follow a workout, but they can't see you. They can't see your form. Most of the time it's okay, but if you're seeking out exercise to heal you without someone who has clinical experience or a license to do that, then you're not necessarily gonna get the same outcomes. Right, and, and, and how do you think, how do you let people know that that's, what you guys do and that you're not just another Pilates studio? That is an excellent question. And I am still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Communication is the toughest thing in your business and oh, yeah. who you are communicating to, how they are getting their information. Uh, we have all different age groups. We have seniors with dementia all the way down to newborn babies. So we have to figure out how to communicate to that population. And that's what we pride ourselves in is, is having a class and a program for absolutely everyone. But what is our messaging and how do we get it out there? So we do use words like therapeutic. We'll say therapeutic yoga. We have one of the only in Virginia uh, licensed yoga therapists. We have several licensed physical therapists. We have massage therapists. Uh, so it's all in how we're packaging what we offer. We offer Pilates for runners. We offer yoga for osteoporosis. So we're using these terms that are problems in our country that right. need solution. And we feel like we have a non-invasive, very inclusive solution so that if we can at least get a chance to screen them and get them in the door and teaching them these basic, um, almost like educational tidbits that we would do over the phone, and then see, okay, what else do they need? Let's refer out. Like maybe you do need to go get another bone scan. Maybe you do need to go see, you know, my buddy Mike just across the bridge, right? What's their next level of care? But at least they feel like, oh, I can start here. They have a program. And, and most of our teachers have some kind of an extra degree so that when people read what their bios are, they feel more confident in coming to our programs. And I think it's it's a certain uh, value value that people get is that you know saying I don't know or or like instead of like you're being like oh well your back hurts well or or you have osteoporosis uh, this is all you need when in actuality it's probably not and yeah. and they might need you know they might need to see a physician they might need to see a physical therapist they might need a, a dietitian. And, and, and you're able to, you know, like you said, ha, you know, access your network of people all over the area here. And I think people appreciate that. And, you know, the honesty of like, instead of you trying to like fake, like, oh, I can talk to you about diet. And sure, you can talk a little bit about it. But like, it's not, you know, it's not your specialty. It's not my specialty either. And, right. and like, I think people appreciate the ability for you to like, say, I don't know. Versus... If someone asks me for an appointment, I say, no, <laughs> I say, I say, I am retired from one-on-one -on -one patient care. Uh, often I will have people say, do you miss being a PT? And I always say, I am always a PT. That, that is always, in fact, the state of Virginia always looks at you at whatever your highest license is. So yeah. yes, I have a Pilates certification, but they're not looking at me as a Pilates teacher. They're looking at me always as a doctor of physical therapy. So I usually say I have 30 patients at one time. There you go. And uh, another way that we market what we do is every time I'm in a class or another teacher's in a class, anything that we do, we talk about why. Here's why we're doing this move this way. 
this is really good for A, B, and C, where my runner's at. That's, it's very difficult for you to lift your knee out to the side. We're working on the abduction. And, you know, you, you've sold them. They're, they're in because they know that as a physical therapist or as this yoga therapist or a massage therapist, whatever the training is, whatever their specialty is, they know that they're in good hands. And it's almost as if they're getting an entire treatment session just being in that class for an hour. And then I'll sometimes have a line after class of people asking me questions. And usually it's as simple as do the door stretch right. or make sure you're doing these three exercises for plantar fasciitis or go see my buddy Mike, <laughs> right? So if it's something where I feel like I can't educate them in the moment, I will definitely refer them to a network of whether it's where they live or someone who specializes in specifically what they need. Move the District is sponsored by Big League Performance and Rehab. At Big League Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. Yeah, and I've seen that like from like doing workshops around the area here where, you know, we'll go teach, you know, a group of 20, 25 people. And then, yeah, you have a line of people afterwards who are like, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And like, yeah, you can be like, oh, try this one move. And then, or it's like, oh, well, actually, you'd probably come in for an appointment. And like this way, it's like you like whittle them down into like, or hey, maybe you should check out this or check out that. And, and this way, it's like, you know, people ultimately get what they actually need. Right. It's funny. Do you, I'm sure you follow the movement maestro on Shante. Shout out to Shante. So Shante did this this post yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but it was all about like, it, it was a video about someone being an accountant oh, and yeah. almost making fun of accountants that when it, when they say, what do you do? Oh, I'm an accountant. No one asks you questions. But when you say I'm a physical therapist, people are like, oh, I got this, I got all this the time. thing in my rib. All um, the time. And it's it's funny because I'll, I'll get that. I commented on her post and I said, sometimes I'll, I'll be rushing into class and I'll have someone be like, I... I run and two miles into my run, I have this pain down my leg. And I'm like, I love that you think I'm brilliant. I love that you think that I can just laser diagnose you right now in two minutes. But we are highly specialized. I would take you through a system of tests. I would evaluate you. I would take a subjective. And they're like, really? And so this tends to be a, usually an educational moment for us as PT, yeah. right? Like we're... Right. we're it's a chance for us to say, okay, you know, if you want me to take a look at your back, I'm going to have you do these things and you have to plop down on the floor as well. And then people are usually like, oh, really? You can't just send me some exercises? <laughs> that's the best. That's the best. That's, that's what happens to me on, uh, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. I'll, I will get all these, these DMs, not so much recently, but historically, I get, I get these DMs from people that come from, honestly, all over the world. And, and they'll, they'll send me a message like, Mr. Doc Mikey, sir, can you please send me the best exercises for a meniscus tear or for herniated disc? And I'm like, I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you know, at, at a certain point. And I think like a lot of the like Instagram PTs out there, like get these kind of messages. And at a certain point you just kind of like stop responding. Cause you're like, you're like, I can't, I, 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 I can't, I can't. And I just, you know, send the message, Hey, you know, you should, find a PT in your area, right. uh, and, and get evaluated. I can't, I don't know what the best exercises are for you and your herniated disc versus like Megan and her herniated disc. Yeah. And, and, and so yeah, people always are like in the DMS going, Hey, what's the best exercise for this? Or my shoulder has been bothering me. What do you think it could be? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know you. Um, and then, and then, yeah, then there'll be the times you go out to a bar with friends and they're like, Oh yeah, Mike, you're a PT. My, uh, my neck hurts. And, and it's, it's funny. So I actually have Megan trained so that she knows that whenever someone starts complaining about like neck pain, like at the bar, she goes, chin tucks, chin tucks. <laughs> so they do like the, for those of you who can't see what we're doing, like the double chin retraction where they do like a little double chin action there. And so she's like telling people at the bar, Oh yeah, chin tucks. And like, we'll have like five people at the bar just doing chin tucks. And it's like, what's, what's, what's up? it's like, what's up with these guys? Yeah. And, uh, and cause it, and so, cause the people just always ask me, they're like, Oh, well, what do I do for this? What do I do for that? And I'm like, 
I don't know. I think we're getting, I think we're getting there, you know, in the sense that even in the, in the 20 years that I've been a PT, it's, it's still surprising to me that people don't know what we do. And that's all on us. Yeah. It's all 100%. on us. We, we spend so, so much time bickering with each other. Exactly. That's why I'm really loving Instagram and why I think especially with someone like you who has such a, a wide net cast globally and other people like, you know, Teddy and Doc, Dr. Nick, what's, what's his name? He's so great. Dr. Um, Nick. That's, that's, yeah, his, that's Dr. Nick. Yeah. So he, he's really great. at. Be, I love it when he shares his DMs where it says, can you give me exercises for this? And he's like, no. Um, but it's, it's educating people that, you know, you don't just ask your doctor, say, hey, can I have some prednisone? You don't just ask your doctor like, hey, can I have this kind of antibiotic? Your doctor examines you, evaluates the best treatment method, and then has a treatment plan. That's what we are trained to do as well. It's just a different framework for us. Yeah. Well, I, I think the way you, what you said before, going back to the education component, I think, you know, like PTs, like we wear so many different hats, right? And, and there's, there's such a, a, a battle, you know, especially right now over like manual therapy versus like exercise. Like what's better? What's, you know, is, is, uh, is, is manual therapy worthless? Does it act as the cure, the cure all that like I was taught, you know, in PT school, you know, years ago. Uh, and, and there's this battle over all these different things, but like at the end of the day, like I, you know, what it comes down to is we're, we're educators. That's what we are. We educate people. Now we can educate people through, you know, hands-on stuff. We can educate people through exercise. We can educate people through our words, but the core of what physical therapy is, is education. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think, PT, some PTs uh, have lost sight of that. And especially when you start to get into the like corporate chains and things like that, you know, they, they lose sight of the fact that we are educators and it's just like, Oh, let's, uh, you know, crack your back and fix you and move on. And like, I'm like, I don't want to fix anyone. I want to educate people on how they can fix themselves. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, is ultimately, I think, you know, how we move healthcare forward in our country is like, how do we be proactive about things versus reactive about things? And, and, you know, I think that kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with like Pilates and all that stuff is like, how can we be proactive about, you know, people's health when 88% of our healthcare costs in this country are reactive measures from having diabetes, from having heart disease, from having cancer. And it's like, what if we just prevented these things from in the first place? Yeah. And you know, what's funny is over the last year or so, I've really been having a hard time with this small reach having a brick and mortar and knowing that my clientele is a certain socioeconomic status. And I'm thinking, especially with programs for prenatal women, post-pregnancy, that kind of thing. And the mortality rate is going up for maternal health and especially for women of color. And I think, you know, I am providing this service for a really small portion of the population. And now because of COVID, I'm thinking, how can we as physical therapists, how can we spread that education to higher risk groups that actually really need it as opposed to, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it like the, the rich group of white ladies in my neighborhood, right? Right. That's not the, the group that is at risk if we look at statistics. And so I'm so glad you said that because now there seems to be this higher calling for us, given what's going on in our uh, cultural climate right now, a higher calling that I've been feeling for a couple of years. And I know you and I are both yeah. ambassadors and they're really supportive on like, what are, what are your goals moving forward? And in this last goal session, I was like, I want to take this platform and reach groups beyond these walls that are currently empty right now. But like, how can we do that and make it accessible, affordable, uh, digestible from a cultural aspect? Like how are we um, making sure that we're inclusive when it comes to different cultures so that the information that they're receiving is not um, more of like this foreign entity and they they can really start to integrate that into their lifestyle. So I'm all for that. I think PTs in general, going back to what you said, 
we're getting better at not bickering. It's like, let's respect everyone's bag of tricks. That's what my ortho teacher used to call it. Like, let's respect that I focus on Pilates. Let's respect that you focus on strength and loading. Let's respect that there are some people that just do manual. And right. if we're seeing this great patient outcome, then, um, and we're helping people, then isn't that what we were all licensed to do? Exactly. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And, yeah. and I think it's, one of the, it's also important to remember that like the PTs who work at a place like Pivot, you know, I'll gladly call them out, um, you know, they're not bad people, you know, they're, they're arguably, they're, they're the victim of the circumstance, you know, like, like they're, they're, if it was up to them, they would probably see people, you know, once, you know, for 60 minutes like I do. Or, or, you know, whatever they thought was appropriate. But, you know, they're the ones that are being told to see 30, 40, 50 people a day. So, so. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't yeah, ex exactly. I don't like that at all. It's, it's just, you know, you talk about burnout. You talk about, you know, poor outcomes. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, it's not their fault, you know. And, and to be honest, I mean, we go all the way back to like PT school. Is that, you know, coming out of PT school, like, do you know what your options are coming out of PT school? I didn't. Right. You know, I, I was like, you know, I had done my rotation for professional physical therapy, which is very similar to, to pivot up in New York, New Jersey area. And, and that was what I thought physical therapy was. I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, like I go, I see 30 plus people a day. I treat, you know, four people at a time with a, with a athletic trainer and then I go home and that's it. And I didn't know, like, it wasn't until I actually came here. I took my first job at sports therapy and rehab here in DC where we were treating people one-on-one -on -one for 45 minutes where I realized like, Oh, I don't have to run around like a chicken with my head cut off and I can actually talk to these people and like start to learn, you know, about them and their triggers and what's happening. And it's like, not just a shoulder, it's Megan. And you're like, this is nice. And, and you know, they get better, you get better buy-in, better trust and ultimately better outcomes versus, um, you know, uh, doing, you know, where you're like, all right, shoulder, great, stretch, massage, all right, heat pack, stim, ice. And, uh, and then like, all right, well, that was your PT session. Come back tomorrow. No, it's, it's the third party completely controlling our profession. And yeah. once we are, once we realize that Medicare doesn't have to control our profession, then it, it is really freeing to see what you can do with your degree, A, with your degree. So even if you're not a licensed physical therapist, there's so much one can do with their degree from an entrepreneurial aspect. But then as a licensed physical therapist, we don't have to be governed by Medicare, right? The, no. like, I say this a lot in our classes. It's like there's a solution for everything. So if you're stifled by insurance and you have to see 30 patients a day. Like I remember, I feel like we're there, Mike, so I can say this. When I was working at NRH, I purposely wouldn't drink water because I didn't have time to go to the bathroom. And I was like, I'm 27. I don't want my career to be like this. I don't want to feel like I have to race from patient to patient to patient. Yeah. And once I realized that I could literally liberate myself from an insurance company and uh, having them dictate what I can and cannot do and how much they were going to pay me. It really was sky's the limit as far as like entrepreneurial goals. Yeah. And mine and that has grown. We'll just say pre COVID because you know, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. Pre COVID we had, this is a crazy statistic. Oh boy. We had in February, like January, February of this year, 2,100 visits in one week. That was our average week to week in the new year, 2100. So it's okay to make money. I'll go back to that. It's okay as a PT to still help people. I don't measure my success by how, what our sales were. I will tell you that because of January and February, we're still alive. Uh, yeah. That's why it is okay that I make money so that I can still fund reaching people. But what does, make me feel fulfilled and that it's been a success is being able to reach people, having someone write you an email that said, you know, you changed my life 
or this teacher changed my life, or I just delivered my baby and the doctors were like, wow, what did you do? Give me that person's number. Um, so changing people's lives is your measure of success. Right. And if you can't drink water during the day because you're trying to maintain your schedule, that, that's not the kind of sacrifice that you wanna make. You wanna feel happy and proud that you changed someone's life, but at the same time having a life balance. I thought you were going to say that you were purposely drinking a lot of water so that you could go to the bathroom to get out of treating all your patients. Is that what you did, Mike? Because I must have been all wrong in that approach. <laughs> there might have been a few times during my rotation where I might have snuck out to the bathroom to like, you know, just, just disappear for a few minutes. Or even better, you just don't drink any water and then you just pass out. And then there you, you go, go. Home, and you go home for the week. And then you go home. It's a trip to the ER. I love it. Exactly. Nice hospital bill. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you know, we work for our patients or clients uh, and not insurance companies. That's what it comes down to is that, you know, having that freedom from Medicare, from insurance companies, third party payers allows us to focus on what people need and not be bound by the 25 visits a year or the, you know, thousand dollar out of pocket expense. It allows people to get the care they want. And, and that care could be anything. It could be, you know, someone who like, you know, relies on being able to go to CrossFit. It could be someone who wants to be able to pick up their kid. It, it's, you know, a whole, you know, variety of things in the spectrum of like, you know, what's important to me, you know, versus what's important to you. Like they're both important, you know, who's to say one thing is, you know, less important than the other. So like, you know, if I can help someone accomplish something that's important to them, that's, that's valuable. You know, that's important. That's success. But in the meantime, our profession has a ton of burnout. And in order for us to continue to help people, we, you know, that, that life balance and really feeling like you're able to support people, but support yourself at the same time is, is truly important. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things because I, I think there's, we, you know, we need more PT owned businesses in the PT profession. Cause I think we get, uh, you know, cause you cut, you do come out of school subservient to physicians, to Medicare. And, and you don't, you're like, oh, well, I need physician referrals. I need this. Cause I remember when I started big league, you know, one of my, one of my good friends from school who lives up in New York, who works at a, a bigger clinic. And he's like, oh, how are you going to get physician referrals? And I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't plan on, I mean, there was a study, there was a study done, you know, a few years back where it looked at a thousand people who got referred to their primary care physician for lower back pain. What percent do you think got referred to physical therapy initially? Low. 8%. So, so, you know, that's 8% out of a thousand got referred to physical therapy. So, you know, there's that other 92% out there that got sent to an orthopedist, that got pain meds, that got imaging, that got, uh, you know, basic exercises at home, were told to rest. And it's like that 92% out there is just thinking they have to deal with back pain for the rest of their life. And that's no way to live. No, no way to live. And it's funny, like this, um, thinking about going back to physical therapy school and what we were empowered to dream of, right? If you think back to, we have a PT as a manager course at Marymount where I am an adjunct professor. And I, I used to teach that course and we had this whole project. And we still had that project back, back, in, back in my day. We had that same project where you had to come up with a business plan for either a niche clinic or just as a, a stand, you know, a standard ortho clinic of some kind. And so at the end, you had to present your entire business plan for your clinic. And I remember during the class, very, a very inquisitive student came up to me and said, you know, I've got this great idea. Our team has a great idea for a holistic clinic. I'm just wondering if you know, under our licensure, can we practice nutrition? And I looked at him and I said, well, I, my first answer is, I don't know, I don't think so, but why wouldn't you just go ahead and hire a nutritionist? And it's like his mind exploded. He was like, I can do that? And I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> you are the boss. You are starting a business and you can hire people. You can do whatever Absolutely. you want. You can hire a doctor. You can hire right there. I remember working for a home health company where the, the owner of the home health company was a PTA. I mean, it was, 
Anyone yeah. can own a business. I worked for another company where the owner was not even a clinician. So I was like, yes, hire a nutritionist. And he was like, oh my goodness. And their project was amazing. They had this entire yeah. holistic health clinic. It was awesome. Tell, tell me about the, uh, the people you've hired at uh, Mind the Mat. What, what, what's the typical Mind the Mat instructor like? Oh, the typical instructor. And I only sigh like that because I miss them. <laughs> I, totally, I totally miss them. I miss this place has been empty for so long. It is an independent thinker. And I think there are a lot of recipes out there with some... Again, I love everyone working out, so I'm not bashing anything, but maybe I'm bashing it a little bit. There are some programs where people are trained to follow a recipe to take someone through the exact same exercises with the exact same cues. And we, probably, we have two teacher training programs here, actually three. One of them is uh, the hot Pilates that you talked about. And yep. I completely, the whole goal is to train independent thinkers, independent teachers, so you walk in a room, Sometimes you don't even plan your class until you see who's in the room because that's truly how we teach. You teach to the people who are in front of you, not what a recipe might have told you that a human being and how they move should be. Right. We have a yoga teacher training program and that is the same. We teach more, I, I teach the anatomy, so it's, it's high level, it's, it's doctorate type mechanics. Uh, it's the same exercise level that I teach the doctorate students over at Marymount. And we teach them to think independently. And so people feel comfortable when they walk in the door because it, it's, it's not a different level of care, right? I think, I think most teachers care about what they do, but it's a different level of understanding and, and targeted response. So if someone comes into a yoga class and she just had a baby, they understand, well, oh, right, I, I know what the postpartum body-ish can be going through. So, you know, don't, don't do these three abdominal exercises, do them this way, right? Mm -hmm. We'll give you a different kind of core exercise to do so that you're not overtaxing your hip flexors or overstraining your abdominal wall, that kind of thing. And so recipes don't work for that it's if there are too many rules and too many recipes and then someone walks in with stenosis what you gonna right. do well that's that i think that's always the issue with group fitness is it's group fitness yeah and and you know we're all different we all have different bodies we all have different aches and pains or whatever and you know what one thing that's fine for me might not be fine for you and and you know how do we combat that and I think, you know, being able to break it down individually like that allows people to get the maximum benefit. Because I've, I've seen too many classes, whether it's a boot camp or yoga or, you know, whatever it is, where like, yeah, some people are just like flying through it and other people are just like barely making it through. You know, mm -hmm. I, I always like in a lot of like more like the boot camp kind of classes where it's like a runaway train where like you're just trying as hard as you can to keep up. You're just like... <gasps> and you're like, you know, and then like you find, and then like, and like everyone else around you looks like they've been doing it for like years. And, and, and like, I'm just like, just trying to survive. And then you finally like catch up and then you're like on the train and you're like, now where do I go? But like, it's that, you know, especially in the beginning there where, you know, people are definitely, you know, the beginners versus the more experienced people are definitely more susceptible to like having issues with their form, not having the strength required to do certain movements. And, you know, it's like, how do we get people there um, so that everyone can kind of get the same benefit from each class? And it's another level because we have said this now. I think maybe this is the third time. We're happy everyone's exercising. Right? Yeah. But if there is a specific need that usually a physical therapist can address, then that's where that higher skill level of an instructor, a coach, a personal trainer some kind of extra certification can see and address so that there's no harm, there's actually benefit, therapeutic benefit, and people can improve function. And that's right. That's what we're all about. There you go. There you go. Uh, so since COVID is, uh, has started, now you guys obviously have shut down your studio. Mm -hmm. uh, is the studio back open now or, or what are you guys doing now with COVID? Well, what we like to say is that we never closed. <laughs> on March, I think it was March 15th, we were like, we're not closing, but 
but we're just not doing in person. <laughs> so we shifted immediately uh, to virtual. We mainly do Facebook Live, which is now becoming the bane of my existence because they have this new music robot that will shut you down. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're shifting to Zoom and then shifting to another platform later on as we find the right one. But we have had people come in in small groups. So we're just one person on one end, one person on the other, and then the instructor in the middle still doing virtual. So we plan on remaining virtual, and our, our community has been incredible. The whole goal was to shift quickly so that people realized, oh, there's not going to be an ounce of um, missed service. And, understanding that their membership is valuable to us. We didn't want to lose our members. I'm yep. sure they would have waited for us, but it was very important for us to say, hey, COVID's not gonna break us. We're gonna keep delivering this. So it was a quick transition and we're still learning. Um, but as we get into probably the cold months, that's gonna be really interesting because we've been running classes outside. We've been opening the doors and having small groups in here. So we're getting creative. We're looking for warehouse space. So let me know when I can come do a class. At come your, do a class here. Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're just getting creative. And I think that I think throughout any business, like it, I'd like to say this a lot, like we've been training our whole lives for this, right? Just, yeah. just always being a forward thinker when you're in business will make sure that you'll survive something like this. Yeah. I, I think that it's that entrepreneur like side of things where it's like being able to react I think is such an important thing. Like I think a lot of like the successful entrepreneurs, it's more of a, like, yes, they're like visionaries, but I think there's a lot more like reactive things that happen. And like, you know, when things like this happened and it's like, all right, we're not closing, we're doing this. And like, yep. also I think it's important to say we're not closing because then right. people are like, Oh, they're still open and yeah. it's different form. And I mean, it's kind of like what we did too, where, you know, we just moved everybody to virtual, you know, telehealth sessions right. where it's just like, we're, we're not closing and you're not appointment isn't getting canceled. We're just doing the, the di in a different medium. Um, now you've also been doing the, uh, um, every Saturday, is it you, you dress up in a, uh, uh, a, a, a different costume. So that was during quarantine. We called it the Corin theme. Thank you ah. for that. And, um, I don't know if you saw the Washington post, but there was an article in the paper and it was just a way to take people's minds off of what was happening, even though now we're still in it. But back then, we really, back then, we really didn't know where we were going with this. And I talk about COVID silver linings. It used to be that I could only accommodate 30 people in my classes. I think the Prince class, I had 115 people. Oh, my up. God. I think yeah. I've, I've, I've been seeing the, the picture of like you as a sweaty prince on my Instagram for like the last like two oh, months no. now. Oh no. And then there was, well, it all started with the Easter Bay because of course everyone needs a single ladies Beyonce leotard in their oh, yes. closet. Yes. And so I just had it on the ready when a coat, you know. A, I have a, mine. I have mine ready also. Of course. Yes. When a pandemic hits, you never know when Beyonce needs to save the day. So it was the day before Easter and I didn't announce it. I just started playing Beyonce and I came out as the Easter Bay. And so it just sparked this whole snowball effect of trying to like one up the last costume. And then once the, uh, once the quarantine, when quarantine was limited or lifted rather, the quarantine had to go on pause because I just couldn't, I couldn't one up the costume. <laughs> Well, I think, I think, I mean, we have reached October now and uh, Halloween is around the corner. What are you, uh, what are you dressing up as for Halloween? Oh, I am not giving that secret away, but just Ooh. so you know, the costume Ooh. has been ordered. It has been ordered and it was, it has always been one of my goals to wear this costume. So uh, the 31st is on a Saturday morning and I'm actually going to have the class in person and I want it to be bananas. Oh, so, is that, is that like a, is that like a hint? Yeah. Well, oh no, it's not. <laughs> so you won't be in a giant banana suit is what you're saying. No. no, that's not my MO. I think looking back at some of the costumes, you can see that I'm not You're not a banana person. No, but I did dress as the Beastie Boys. And that was one of oh, my yeah? favorites because my kids 
it was me and then my kids were the two other beastie boys oh yeah so, you had the two boys in it yeah oh yeah it was that was a highlight because what's whole thing the what's the best halloween costume you've ever had oh geez i had the britney spears oops i did it again mars pleather costume solid yeah and i ha i went and got my hair did just like the britney and it was i always pride myself on this it was a hundred dollars and i was able to wear it to two different halloween parties including a halloween parade in and the same year in the same in the same weekend oh okay <laughs> wait did you get your hair wait did you get your hair done twice no i had my hair done once so they put all these extensions in it and it had the little i don't know if you're familiar with the video probably not and she has I, oh, uh, yes. Okay. As a boy growing up in the 2000s, yes. For sure. Well, it was a pretty good Britney rendition. I'll, I'll tag you on one of the photos just okay. so you can see how close it was. The similarities, okay. Yes, had my hair done, had the costume, everything. So that's, that's my favorite one, but I'm hoping to top that in the next couple weeks. Okay, all right, big, big words. Mine was, just for reference here, uh, was in PT school, Shout out to my buddies, uh, Justin Frick and Pete Gomez. We were the Teletubbies. <laughs> we dressed up as the Teletubbies. Uh, my, uh, it was my first year of PT school. Yeah. And uh, I had never really been a big Halloween guy, just kind of like going with the flow. And we did the Teletubbies. And that was like the funniest thing I think. I, I think probably the funniest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I need a photo of that too. Just oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'll, I'll send you one. And, uh, and yeah, so this year... I got a few things, few ideas stirring, um, but I'm not quite sure yet. Um, and it's Saturday, so are you, like, how does one, when they're young with no children, how does one celebrate Halloween during a pandemic? You know, I've never been a big Halloween person who, like, is out amongst, amongst the masses, like, at least now in my, like, pre-college life, but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, like Friday afternoon here, Friday during the day here at the office, I think uh, some people might, you know, get me in a costume. I was one year I dressed as a taco. Uh, so that was, so that was pretty good. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I think, I think Friday will probably be the day I, I wear it here to the office and uh, people are just going to kind of get surprised as to like, I'm just going to kind of like you just show up as I don't know. Yeah. Don't give them any warning. Just show up and people will be like, oh, is this happening? And you're like, yep, it's, it's, it's happening. I think you might need to pull out those Teletubby costumes. Yeah. I've, oh God, I don't know. I think I still have them somewhere, but yeah, I don't know. And I'll just show, you, show up to your class in the Teletubby. There you go. Oh my God. See? Challenge accepted. There you go. All right. This is going off the rails here. All right. We got we to gotta wrap it up here. I got one final question for you. What's the best thing that's happened to you in the past week? Oh, wow, that's an excellent question. Uh, I would say this morning we had our cultural agility training. Um, since this summer, Mind the Mat decided we wanted to have some action in how we wanted to change and look at our organization. So we hired a cultural expert and a, uh, inclusion, an inclusion and diversity expert and she created a customized course for us over seven weeks. And we were allowed to invite business leaders in Alexandria. And we had such an amazing discussion this morning that it went over 30 minutes. So imagine all of the questions that you ever wanted to ask on how you can be an ally. And I felt like those questions weren't completely fulfilled. They were answered, but the, those are big answers and those are big shoes that we uh, need to start walking in. Oh, so yeah. that, was, that was the highlight of, of my week and I'm inspired to move forward and keep learning. Love it, love it. Megan, if, uh, if people wanna connect with you, people want to attend class, how can they find you and Mind the Met? Sure thing, well our website is uh, all encompassing. There's a ton of information on there. So if you just go to mindthemat.com, there'll be a little window that pops up telling you how to join virtually. You could also go to Mind the Mat's Instagram, so that's at mindthemat. Or if you wanna connect with me individually, it's at Dr. Megan Brown on Instagram. And in my link in bio, there is a way to sign up for classes. Yeah, and that's M-E-G-A-N. Megan Megan. What is your Megan? 
She is M-E-G-A-N as well. But I know there's like 15 varieties. That's the correct way. Yes. There you go. Megan's out there with an H. The Megan's, the Megan's of the world. The Megan's. So our, your Megan and me, we are Megan. And then Megan is with an H. I just learned this like years ago. With an H, it's Megan. What about with an E? I haven't figured that out. E or an A, an A, E A. Megan. Megan. I'm not sure. If you have an extra A in your name, please reach out to us. Oh God. All right. All right. Megan, thank you for coming on the show and we will go deeply into the origins of the name Megan in our our next podcast. Can't wait. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.